I was in the ninth grade, I chose, I, I, I was not a, a very large person in the ninth grade. I loved sports and loved football. I also wasn't good at football, wasn't good at it at all. So I had a, I had a choice to make. When I go into high school, do I try to get on the football team and easily get squished by the bigger guys? Because I was, I was a little guy, right? Okay, that's who I was. And so I joined the swim team because uh, my brothers and I, growing up, we would always go to the neighborhood swimming pool and try to drown each other. And, and that, was, that was like a fun thing that we would do. And, and there's a game called Sharks and Minnows where you have to like, you know, you swim real deep. Like in, back in like, back in the suburbs I was from, and those pools meant business. They were like 12 feet deep pools. So you could easily get lost down there. So we swam down there and we're like trying to wrestle each other to the surface because we're playing like a rough, like a shark to game. Anyways, I joined the swim team because of that. And um, I have no friends. I have no uh, really understanding of what growing up and means and what it's all about. And I'm like kind of scared. So I get on the school bus, we're going to a swim meet, and I sit next to this guy, and we start having a conversation and talking, and this guy was like, hey, I, I, it kind of sounds like you're a Christian. Are you a Christian? I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, that's awesome. I'm a Christian too, except I'm the type of Christian that believes you have to have Jesus in your life. Because he understood there was a distinction between a fake Christian and a real Christian. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, I'm that kind of Christian too. Let's go. And instantly we became friends. And that guy was a guy named Damon Reynolds. Yeah! So we have been basically best friends ever since. We've served the Lord ever since. We've done made stupid mistakes ever since then, right? And we have we've walked with God and we've always wanted to see Jesus impact our friends' lives. So Brownsville, I want, to, I want you to know something tonight. You are a part of something very special. That's right. You're a part of something extremely powerful. And that's called the mission of God impacting other people's lives for the gospel. And you are being led by some of my very best friends in the entire world. I would not be here if it wasn't for my friend Dave. So he's going to give the word tonight. And it's going to be good. That's a great game. Um, and I joined swim team because um, I had acne. So, <laughs> And when you wear that chin strap in football, this is me stalling while I get things set up. When you wear that chin strap in football, um, you get more acne. But when you join swim team, it clears up your skin. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> cool. Give me seconds. I'm going to also take my, my main purse off my back. Cool. Well, it is great to be here. It's great to uh, be back. I, uh, I can say I miss the faces and I miss the people. Uh, I don't miss Edinburgh and I don't miss McAllen. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I love Brownsville. 
different reasons, but again, if uh, if if I'm missing Brownsville, it's it's mainly for the faces, it's for the for the friends, for the souls that are there, and we're uh, we're grateful. But um, thank you for having us. Thank you for having all of us from Brownsville. If some of you are, are new tonight, um, new new to Chi Alpha, um, the reality is that there wouldn't be a ministry in Brownsville if it weren't for a bunch of your friends that um, sent us out, that, that chose unselfishly to um, to let go of of friends. But Brittany and I we moved we moved to Edinburgh now about six years ago. We were here for five years. And so um, we didn't, when we moved down, we didn't have any plans to leave, but I'm glad we did, right? Yeah. I'm glad we did, because now we have more friends, and um, yes, it's just good. Cool. Well, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Tonight, we are going to uh, read out of a scripture in Revelation, so it's going to be Revelation chapter 19. Um, verses 11 through 16. So I'll let you turn there. So Revelation, it's the very last book of the Bible. Um, it's a revelation of what's to come. So Revelation 19, 11 through 16. It should be up on the screen. Cool. Thank you, guys. All right. Here we go. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you tonight to speak to us, to speak to our hearts about who you are, about who you are, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for gathering us here today. And Lord, um, bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, like I said, we just read out of the, the one of the very last, it was the last book written in the, or in the Bible, Revelation. And it's an interesting book in and of itself, right? Um, how many people have read Revelation? Anybody or read parts of it? You're like, I heard there's dragons in there, there's serpents and cool stuff, from like weird people. So it's considered an apocalyptic book or um, also a prophetic book. It speaks of the things to come, okay? Um, it's full of imagery that out of context uh, can get really weird very quickly, but within context can be wonderful. I'm thinking of like, uh, we just read about a uh, robe dipped in blood. 
Um, that's Jesus' blood. And that's, that's not weird. That's powerful. So the passage we read was actually about Jesus. Like, we have assumptions about this, but when John, who's the author of Revelation, he also is the author of the Gospel according to John, and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, so um, he is one of the biggest writers in the New Testament. Um, he declares that the rider on the white horse, his name is the Word of God. And it then becomes verified because in the very beginning of the Gospel of John, he says that the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and His name is Jesus. So uh, the rider on the white horse, whose name is faithful and true, that's Jesus. Um, do I have any English majors in here? Is it even? Yeah, we've got one. Awesome. Do they call it something different now? I've heard that they're calling it something not with the word English in it. Um, does anybody study literature in, in school? <laughs> All right, we still got one. <laughs> cool. Well, I was also an English major, so we can be nerds together. Um, so uh, I, I'm wanting to address these titles given to Jesus in verse 11. So again, um, in verse 11, it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and true. Faithful and true. Okay? Does anyone know what types of words these are? Like nouns, verbs? Does anybody know what faithful and true are? They're adjectives. Alright. Yeah, he's from Brownsville. We'll see how many plugs I can make. Right, so they're adjectives, also called description words, right? These are description words given about Jesus, but they're also names given to Jesus. In this passage, it says he has called these names. So, in other words, he's not only is Jesus faithful, but what's being said of him is that he defines faithfulness. Jesus himself defines it. And he's not only truth, it's not only that he is, or that um, he is truth, but he defines truth. So he is faithful, and he is true, not in an adjective, but in a noun. Like he is called faithful, and he is called true. So um, we're going to go down a road, a, a biblical um, word road. Okay. So the the biblical definition of this word faithful. Just to be clear, what I'm meaning is I'm not reading. Okay. Not reading out of Webster's dictionary. That's what I'm saying. Like this means faithful. But what I'm meaning is that this word is a Greek word, um, and I'm not even going to go into what the Greek is or any of that stuff. But the the Greek word for faithful, how is that defined by Scripture? Like Scripture defining itself. And here here's what um, here's what comes out of that. Um, biblical definition of this word faithful is of persons who show themselves faithful in transactions of business, so businessmen, execution of commands, like commanders, or discharge of official duty, okay? One who keeps his or her plight, that means like a course, one who keeps his or her course faithfully, someone worthy of trust, someone who can be relied upon. 
Okay, those are like the biblical definitions of what it means to be faithful. This word faithful that's given to Jesus, that Jesus is. Have you ever noticed that everyone wants godly character like this? Now, when I say everyone, I mean like non-believers. I'm saying the guy down the street, um, probably even of your pet. <laughs> they actually, everyone wants godly character. So, you go in, you get a job, and guess what? It just so happens you love Jesus. Every employer gets so excited when there's someone who is biblically faithful, right? Right? Okay, you'll notice that, um, that when you're faithful, reliable, and trustworthy, just like these definitions, your boss will give you so much responsibility that you're, you're actually doing their job, and they're doing nothing. Okay? Can anybody relate to this? And it's, it's not a bragging thing, right? It just means you're, you were faithful. And if you're faithful to a few things, you'll get many things, right? So, um, there, the, the world, it doesn't matter who, everybody wants godly character until they realize that your godly character also comes with godly convictions. And that's where we say the rubber meets the road. Um, when you aren't willing to lie to customers to sell more product, when uh, you aren't willing to do a little dishonest thing to give them more money, or even don't come into work on a Thursday night because you have other things you need to do. Right? They're going to get mad. Right? So we have this definition of faithfulness. We have these employers, right? So, what am I saying? The world wants all the attributes of a godly character without the mess of all the godly convictions. I'm going to say that again. The, the world wants all the attributes of a godly character without the mess of all the godly convictions. Okay? Here's another example. Um, I'll get to that in a second. So, what the world doesn't see is that you aren't faithful, the adjective... Right? It's not that you're faithful, but you serve, capital F, faithful. Okay? The noun. He is faithful. So the question is, do you know it? Jesus defines faithfulness. He defines it. So when we surrender our lives to him, we will of course be faithful. As long as it lines up with his faithfulness. Right? Another example, everyone wants a significant other that has godly attributes of being faithful. Everybody wants a spouse, a husband or a wife or even a boyfriend or girlfriend that has this godly attribute of being faithful, right? Anyone you ask, Christian or not alike, will say they want someone faithful, worthy of trust, and reliable. Right? I mean, it's, it just is what it is. Until, there's the big butt. Until they realize that true faithfulness, godly faithfulness, won't compromise with a one night stand. Or a loose moral existence. Right? And then people might not want somebody that's faithful. Christians still will. So again, 
What was I saying? The world wants all the attributes of godly character without the mess of all the godly convictions. As soon as you don't compromise with that one night stand or something like that, man, forget you. <laughs> and then they're gone. So what the world doesn't see is that you aren't faithful because of your loyalty to your significant other. Okay? You're faithful to your significant other, but the reason you are that way is because you serve Jesus. Amen. And have learned the real definition of faithfulness from Him. He is faithful. Okay? We're going to read some scripture. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. You can just write them down. I didn't put them up there. Um, First one is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Thank you, sir. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Okay? What does he call us to? He calls us to a sanctified life through and through. Inside and outside, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the one who calls you is faithful and he will see it through. And that's awesome. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. And again, just write these down for reference later. But the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So the Lord's faithfulness is also in protection. He will protect us from who? From the evil one, the devil, the enemy. And this is cool because uh, there's two definitions of Jesus' name. Like Jesus is defined by these two names in Revelation. It's faithful. And the other one is true. So Jesus is also true. I'm going to take a drink of water really fast. Maybe not so fast. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank the Lord for water. So, let's go back. Biblical definition of this word true. So again, not Webster. This is the, the scripture defining itself. Something or someone that doesn't just track with me here because it gets a little, a little out there, but I'll summarize it. Something or someone that doesn't just have the name or resemblance, but the real nature corresponding to the name, true. And to the idea signified by the name, real, true, and genuine. Okay? So it doesn't just have the name, the something or someone, doesn't just have the name or the resemblance, but the real nature corresponding to that name. In other words, they're not just called true, they are true. That's what the Bible defines as truth. In other words, the Bible says that truth isn't just a word, but something or someone that is real and true and genuine. And Jesus is capital T, truth. Okay? Very often in modern culture, at least in the U.S., 
Some of you can relate to this. Truth is something we speak of as a relative term. But guess what? Truth is absolute. Truth is absolute. And I'm talking about all truth, but particularly capital T, truth, Jesus. Jesus is absolute. Truth is absolute. You've heard it said, what is true for you is not true for me. Anybody ever heard that? That's such a dumb argument. But it's okay. I can say that because I'm up here and you're down there. But, but that isn't what the Bible says. The Bible actually doesn't say anything about what's true for you is not true for me. What the Bible says is that truth is absolute and the truth is Jesus. So what am I saying? Truth doesn't define Jesus, but Jesus defines and embodies truth. Okay? If you want a definition of truth, just look to Jesus. So I'll say it again. Truth doesn't define Jesus, <clears throat> but Jesus defines and embodies truth. If you want a definition, look to Jesus. If it holds up to his character, if it holds up to his words, if it holds up to his action, if it holds up to his love, then it's truth. So what's not true? If it doesn't hold up to Jesus' character, if it doesn't hold up to his words, if it doesn't hold up to his actions, if it doesn't hold up to his love, guess what? It's not true. <laughs> That's, it just is what it is. Cool? You guys good? Alright, we're going to read more scripture. This is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. It says, I am the true vine. I didn't put it up there. I apologize. I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Again, this is Jesus. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. That sounds like faithful. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a bold statement. That's as bold as Jesus saying, I am, and claiming to be God. Yeah. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's a lot packed into this scripture that we just don't have time for tonight, but the core of this statement is that Jesus is the true vine. Yeah. Okay? So, in other words, there's a lot of... <clears throat> I guess I could say this. There's, there's, there's a lot of vines out there, but Jesus is capital T, truth. True vine, right? In, in other words, if I'm just saying it for face value, there's a lot of idols. There's a lot of other things that, um, that we put our trust in, that we put our faith in. Um, and they're not, they're not real. They're not true. They don't last. There's a, there's a good rule of thumb. If you're watching a commercial or a show or anything like that, it goes like this. Um, what are they selling me? Okay, that's number one. Does it work? Number two. Oftentimes... You can figure those two things out. And usually the answer, even by the world standard, is does it work? Yes. And then number three is the big one. Does it last? And um, 
Jesus being eternal is the only one that can outlast. <laughs> He's the true vine. I'm thinking of um, when uh, when the lockdown, the like the the month long um, quarantine. I don't know what what it was called, but we all we all didn't get to do anything. We just sat in our homes, and, right? Yeah. Um, when that was going on, um, <clears throat> immediately off the bat, um, I was actually having a lot of anxiety. I was really really bothered by a lot of things. Um, at that point, we didn't know it was like we we could assume that if you uh, are are in the vicinity of like six feet, you know, six feet apart, you're uh, of somebody with COVID, you're going to get it, you're going to die. That's like what was being spoken of at the time. Um, And I'm not being too critical. I'm just saying that's what we knew is that like it came into New York and there was like thousands of people that were like really sick and the hospitals were full, all of that. And I I really started to get, um, I got really anxious and Brittany could um, attest to this. Um, and at the same time, there was, uh, this is kind of just a side note, I also, we, we did, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do. We bought chickens and made a garden that didn't last. It all died. A hundred percent of the garden died. And so, yeah. <laughs> it was a really funky, rainy season, and we had an outside garden. Anyways, maybe we just don't have green thumbs. Our chickens are no longer around. That was our own doing. <laughs> They were great. So, <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're doing this gardening thing, and I, I got an infection um, on my finger. I don't even remember which finger. And on the exact same toe that was on my finger, like, correlating, you know. So, if it was, like, my big toe, it was my thumb. That kind of thing. And I just, um, I, it was, like, really bad, but it's, like, you didn't, you didn't want to go to the hospital because you're going to get COVID, right? Or, or you didn't want to overrun the hospital for something dumb like an infection. So it's like, yeah, I can lose a toe. It's fine. <laughs> but we, uh, so I just, I was like crippled, almost crippled with this anxiety. And I didn't know where it was coming from. And um, I was in our garage um, just working out because what else are you going to do? And um, I, I was like, the Lord spoke. And he's like, you have put things before me. Um, security, financial security. I was like, where's this? We're about to take out like a several, a several trillion dollar, like trillions. That doesn't even like, I don't even, I can't even imagine. It's trillion dollars. I was like, our government's going to flop. And then, um, so financial security was a big one. And then like just security as far as like, really, as far as government goes, I was just, um, crippled with this fear because I put my hope in the lowercase the vine, <laughs> right? Not the capital T, true vine. And um, man, I was, uh, yeah. So I just, I, I prayed and asked the Lord to forgive me because I, I had idols in my heart that I didn't even know were there. And it took, it took a pandemic to figure it out. Um, but guess what? It's been... How many years? Or eight? I don't know. It's been it's been a long time since that happened. We've never gone without food. We've never not been provided for. And so, and then on top of that, this was cool. Like immediately after I repented, I'm not kidding, my infection went away. 
And I think it was the Lord telling me something. Yeah. Um, I mean, we took care of it. It's not like I was just praying out of existence. We had antibiotics and stuff like that. Or, um, Neosporin. But, nonetheless, like, do you see where I'm going? Like, the capital T, true vibe. Um, so, I'm almost done. If you can bear me a little longer, I'm going to go ahead and ask. I think Daniel and Jess are just going to come back up. Um, Jesus is faithful, and he is true. I'm going to read this one I did put on the slide. It's out of Colossians. Um, I recently reread, man, I just, I love God's word. And if you aren't reading it, you need to. Um, so Colossians 1 verses 13 through 23. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. This is God. God is he, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now get this, he is the image, this is now talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. Have any of you ever wondered where is God? I don't see him. This scripture right here, says that Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. How do you get to know God? Look at Jesus. What was he like? What did he do? The firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So again, um, that statement I said before, if you are not in me, without me you can do nothing. It's a bold statement, but here it says, for by him, all things were created. So that means that when we get in our cars and we're, and we're driving, it's like, I didn't need Jesus to get to school. But guess what? Jesus actually put into existence the very materials that we create cars out of. That's what the scripture is saying. So it's like, um... Our friend Winky Bradney, he said um, some scientists wanted to argue with God and like get into a, um, like, we can do what you can do. And so he's like, okay, that's obviously the truth, like, but just bear with me. And he's like, can you, uh, okay, God, so we're going to take these amino acids and these things and we're going to mix it together. And he's like, whose amino acids are those? Right? For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything you might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's crazy. Um, crazy wonderful, I mean. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Colossians 1, 13-23. I think very often we miss the point of all this. We talk about faith. We talk about reconciliation, um, redemption, repentance, sanctification, glorification, and all the other shun words, right? Um, we talk about them so often that we, we use them as words separate from Jesus. But um, when we say you must have faith, what we should understand is that your faith is put in the person of Jesus Christ and not in a thing. He is faithful and he is true. Amen. In Ephesians, Paul talks of the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Um, in Colossians, we just read about like, man... Jesus was so much more than just a, a historical figure, right? He, he is God. Um, unsearchable riches. When we see Jesus, it's like finding a cave of treasure. Daniel said, you guys actually just talked about treasure hidden in a field. Is that ring a bell? That's cool. Um, and it's infinitely deep. But the deeper you go, the more beautiful and valuable the treasure is just swimming in it. Jesus is infinitely deep and immeasurably valuable. Jesus is infinitely deep and immeasurably valuable. So, um, to end this and move to a time of uh, responding, that's what we'll call this. We're going to respond to the Holy Spirit speaking to us tonight. Um, I want to say these things. So, in, in Revelation 19, 16, the very first scripture we read. We read a lot of scripture. Just awesome. Um, it says that on his robe, Jesus' robe, and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There can be no amount of anyone trying to convince you of who Jesus is without you experiencing him for yourself. I think we can really be convinced that Jesus is is God, or like actually spoke truth, but I don't think we can truly grasp who Jesus is without experiencing him for ourselves. This King of Kings and Lord of Lords is named Faithful and True. Those aren't descriptions of him, they are who he is. So, um, if you're here tonight and you have, you've only heard these things about Jesus, but not experienced who he is for yourself, um, I ask you to respond to that tonight. Um, honestly, I just, I, I think we can all respond to this message, right? Um, so how, how can we respond? Um, three things. We're going to get honest, okay? So God already knows where you are at, right? He's not shocked when you're like, uh, 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 we have a friend, um, he's not here tonight, but he was talking to an atheist that from high school, like an old friend from high school, 
and the dude was just a mess, and he's like, hey, do you want to pray to an atheist? Like, you want to pray to this God that you say doesn't exist? And the guy says, yes. And his prayer was this, God, I hate you, right? And that's like, but it actually was an honest prayer. It actually was a really good prayer. I, I know growing up in church, personally, how many prayers I prayed before I really gave my life to Jesus that weren't honest, they weren't real. It's like, you are Lord, but I didn't believe it. I didn't live it out. Yeah, this guy says, God, I hate you. And that was probably the most honest thing he's ever said in his entire life. So God already knows where you're at. Um, in the Bible, there's a guy who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Okay? So I, um, let the Lord meet you where you're at tonight. If you don't know if Jesus is true, ask him to show you that he is. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to get honest. We're going to get right. There's this thing, um, this great word in the Bible we call repent. Okay? Um, I've been really, really thinking about this, um, really um, studying, like, what is repentance? What is it? Um, we had a small group lesson about repentance. I think the best understanding of this word in our culture is to have a change of heart towards the things that separate you from God. And why I say a change of heart um, is because um, you'll, you'll actually begin to detest the very things that you used to love about sin. Um, if you're convinced that Jesus is God, that he is faithful and true, the action in your life is to get right. So I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God to show you, if you don't already know, and I'll be honest, most of the time you do, but there might be something that's in there deep and you're like, I don't even know where to begin, but if you, if you don't already know, pray and ask God to show you what is hurting him in your life, and then ask for a change of heart toward that thing. So um, once it's revealed to you, this is repentance, it's to take action and turn from it like it's going to kill you. And what I mean by that is, um, um, there's uh, our, our friend Winky Pratney, I already mentioned it before, but um, he said in the, in the garden when Adam and Eve took a bite of the fruit um, and, and didn't die on the spot, it was, I know they felt it, but it was probably a little relief, like, oh, it didn't kill me, right? But um, in the same way, um, we, we do this all the time on like Valentine's Day and anniversaries. We hand our, our wives and our girlfriends flowers, right? Um, they don't look dead yet, but they're already dead, right? It's just a matter of time before it's really going to show what, what happened. I don't mean don't give, don't like, still give flowers. <laughs> still give flowers. They're beautiful. And, um, but what I mean is like, again, Adam and Eve, they were cut from the vine, right? The sin in their life separated them from God. And guess what? Not only spiritually did they die, they actually physically died. They're not here. So once something is revealed to you that's separating you from God, you need to take action and turn from it like it's going to kill you because it will. That's what I mean. So we're gonna get right. We're gonna get honest, we're gonna get right. And lastly, if you're here tonight, you're right with God, and there isn't something that he reveals in your heart to repent of, then get close. Then get close. All I mean by this is to spend time asking the Holy Spirit of God to reveal more of himself to you. 
Um, accepting Christ is the beginning of the Christian life, not the end, right? A lot of us say a prayer and we're like, I'm glad that's over. Um, that's just the beginning. Unsearchable riches of Jesus. So dive deeper, get close. We need to daily seek the presence of God in our lives. Um, does that sound good? So I think I put it out there. Yeah, get honest. Get honest with God. Get right. And get close. Um, I don't know how that looks in this room. I know uh, I know it's got hard floors. If uh, if you got bad knees, that's okay. Um, all I'm asking is to, to get right with God. That might be personal. You might turn around and just use your chair as an altar. Um, you might get with your small group leader or your small group and spend time just really talking and praying together. Um, but just get alone in this room and spend time with the Lord. So we're going to get honest, get right, and get close tonight. So let's do it. So go ahead and come, come and experience the Lord. Get alone at the front or around the room. Get with your small group leader and friends and be with the Lord.